This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand-up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. everyone. So my guest today is Martina Carello, and she is founder of Color Alchemist Canada, which we're going to get into learning more about. So thanks for being on, Martina. Oh, it's my pleasure. Awesome. Well, and where am I talking to you from today? You're talking to me from Calgary, Alberta, which is in Canada on the western end. Oh, nice. So I guess let's just start with what is Color Alchemist Canada? So Color Alchemist Canada is a development company that helps startups and small businesses take their ideas, their textile ideas, fashion ideas, clothing ideas, apparel ideas, home textile ideas, out of their head and onto the production floor. So we like to kind of see ourselves as kind of the engineering process that happens from an idea to finished item. We really love working with niche companies because that's an area where a lot of small companies can find success in niching into areas that the bigger players are not considering because they're not financially strong enough for them, but can be really a good place for startups to get a good hold and start a, you know, a sustainable business. And when I speak sustainable business, it's like to become a business that will still be around in five years, <laughs> right? Because there's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. around sustainability that, yeah. So that's what we do in a nutshell. We educate mm-hmm. people on the process and um, yeah. So when you talk about textiles and apparel and stuff and the niche business is almost like someone going from maybe having a shop on Etsy to growing it to having like a business or how's the, how's that work? Yes. Yes. We have a lot of people that come to us who have established more like a craft set business where they themselves have created Mm -hmm. a product, have found some success are literally in their basements cutting and sewing and want to take their business to the next level. And so where they have a lot of difficulty is understanding the difference between what they themselves like the self-taught procedures which have brought them to this success and then working with a manufacturer and what that takes right in any industry there's always like a process there's rules there's directions there's certain standards and items that a manufacturer will need that a lot of times these people may not have and that's where we help them funnel help set them up so that they can move on to the next step. So we do work very often with these types of businesses. Yeah. Well, that makes sense too, because I would say most people know, like they go into a store and buy something and they don't have any idea what went into everything from before. And then even if they are making something just in their home and handing it to someone, that's such a different thing than really scaling and manufacturing and, and all the rules around that. So and then the other part is the niche part. So you're meaning that it's just find like a product that maybe doesn't have a huge footprint, but people need, so they'll go buy it and they'll find you as the top person for that, right? Right. Yeah. So niche, like the niche, niche areas that do really well are 
clothing that suit the adapt like adaptive wear. So say people with disabilities or who have difficulty finding certain things, people with very specific body shapes that don't fit into the traditional clothing brands. And even clothing, uh, like women's clothing in the plus market, a lot of plus mm -hmm. providers, they're just very standard. And a woman's body, <laughs> especially in women's wear, you have so many different body shapes. And this doesn't just mm -hmm. mean that when a woman is more voluptuous, that her body shape, all women's body shapes the same. Right. So, you know, women who are, yeah. are wanting to start brands that really reflect a particular, very specific group of women who are shaped a certain way or items that are directed towards a particular industry. Right. Or a particular target mm -hmm. market and fulfilling a need that that's out there. Yeah, that's interesting. And it, yeah, it is funny with I mean, I'm someone who has had to define themselves as plus size because that's what clothes are called, which is weird. <laughs> you know, it's like. Okay. <laughs> like I'm just wearing clothes, you know, Exactly. but, but yeah, you're, yeah. And you're right. They are very like the mass marketplaces. I mean, I'm from the U S and just thinking they all have these huge, these patterns that I definitely don't identify with at all. Like these right. floral big things. And then also they're cut weirdly. So like one part of my body may be bigger, but the other part isn't. And then you just end up looking like nothing fits, you know? So I can see that being useful as a niche <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's marketing. <laughs> marketing is really important part of, of the, of the business too. Yeah. So how right now, first of all, do you personally create your own line and do you create your own fashion or textiles outside of what you're helping other people do as part of your core business? Yes, actually we have two clothing lines that we've been working on for three years now. One of them is very close to launching and they're both of them are, are passion projects, but ones that are also fulfilling a need in the market. And another way to niche in a market is to find your purpose first and to fulfill that purpose. Mm -hmm. And clothing could be a way to portray that message or bring that message forward, right? And that's another way mm -hmm. that people can be niching, right? Especially if they're they're going into very traditional, typical type of clothing. But the line that we're we've been working on that we're launching is a specifically directed to the Generation X woman. And so women that were specifically born between 1980, 1965, right? And it's pretty much the forgotten generation, right? The generation of latchkey kids, the generation of, of, of playing in parks and, you know, like the whole Stranger Things thing on your bikes and, and the last generation yeah. really to have really experienced life in a way that is not like the life we see today or we see the youth living today. And that's, that's a group of women I find have a lot to say, have experienced a lot, are in a place where they have lived and survived having to face per perfectionism, being taught by their mm -hmm. moms, go to school, have a career, but take care of your husband and your kids, have kids and have a husband, all of those types of things. And they have a lot to say, and they're not saying enough. So I, yeah. I'm i in that generation. I'm actually 50 tomorrow, which is really exciting. Oh, well. Yeah. And so. Yeah, happy birthday in advance. Thank you. Thank so. you. And so for me, 
you know, there are a lot of things with a changing female body, you know, when a lot of, a lot of us are, are reaching menopause, our bodies have shifted. Some of us haven't had kids. Some of us haven't. Some of us have had to deal with health issues or other types of things that have changed our bodies and really being Mm -hmm. able to create a product based on the wants of this group. But it's not just the product that's coming forward. It's also the building of this community and really bringing forth the voices Mm. of of this generation and how they can help the future generations. It's a lot of these women have come to a point where they have a message and they have a story to tell. And I think they have a really strong, impactful stories that can really help a younger generation on their journey. People don't talk enough about things (laughs) and especially Mm -hmm. that group of people. So yeah, that's, that's what our brand moving forward or coming out soon will be reflecting and will be targeting. Great. Yeah. And I'm in that generation too, because I'm 42. Oh, nice. And even looking at clothing, I mean, there's not much room between dressing like an older woman or dressing like a kid. There's like nothing in between, you know, in a way, unless you're wearing business wear maybe, but just, I don't know. So, oh, that'll be interesting to, to see that. What got you the knowledge that you have in order to be able to consult and help people build their businesses? How did your career start out to bring you to this point? How did it start out? It was interesting. Both of my parents had parents that were in the needle trade. So my dad's dad was a tailor. My mom's mom was a designer. And my dad was supposed to follow in his dad's footsteps in an apprenticeship, right? And didn't want to. And so I think... Hmm he really pushed me into that area because I I was, I just loved clothes. I loved, you know, dressing my dolls, that kind of stuff. And the, the, the start of it was when I was eight, my dad bought me an industrial sewing machine. And my grandmother, my mom's mom, thought he was crazy. She says, you're crazy. She's going to sew her hands. These things are fast, right? And he says, no, no, <laughs> he likes this and whatever. And that was where, where it kind of started. And it was interesting because it wasn't something I really wanted to do. <laughs> I, I really wanted to go more into a direction where I was helping more into like maybe a healthcare direction or, you know, in that capacity and left high school and got at the time, one of the colleges, they had a pilot program for a liberal arts program. And so I had been quite strong in like, you know, my English class and history class in those areas. And I'm like, okay, I'll apply. And they had 20, they were accepting 20 students and I got into this program. And the reading list that summer was 25 classic books that I had to get and read. I'm like, oh, wow. Hmm. So I went into this program and at that time, my grandmother was had cancer and she ended up passing away during that year. So it was a very difficult time for me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? Maybe I'll just leave this and go into design, right? She did it. She taught me a lot. You know, it, it, it's something that I can do. I feel I can learn easily. And that's how it started. So I went to, to fashion college. I did a degree in mm-hmm design marketing started working actually in my second year of school so I had an industry job right like from the onset from teachers who had seen that I was technically strong and that was it and it's been 30 years and (laughs) 
there there's been wow. ups and downs there have been I, the amount of times i wanted to leave i mean i can't even count them but this last stretch i realized someone had told me if your innate thing is to help people you don't need to be in a healthcare for you don't need to be in the obvious types of profession to help people you can help people no matter what you do a color alchemist was supposed to become an art club and then more and more people kept coming to me to help them with their businesses. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like stay. <laughs> and that's where I got to today. So it's been five years running this company and helping businesses with their start and helping them not make the mistakes, the common mistakes that mm-hmm. most people do. And that's it. Well, and it is serving others. I mean, you're right, because it, it, there are obvious things where healthcare, like, Mm. For the most part, those people are Gods. helping people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Especially yeah. now. Yeah. And then if you look at, yeah, well, totally. And look at educators, you mm-hmm. know, and they're doing the work of educating others and those things. But then there are, are like, I'm in technology and you can have technology for good and to serve other people. And you can have like consulting like you're doing, but for good. Because honestly, if someone's business could completely break before they even start if they don't have the right advice and they don't have the right guidance, right? So you could, in a way, save someone who might have been successful if they knew what to do. But if they took a wrong path and spent all their money or something, they might end up never doing it. So it is a service in in a different way, for sure. Uh, So educating people in the right way of doing things. And, you know, there's this this industry's had a, a lot of backlash and there's a lot of ups and downs, but there are good people in this business. Some very good people who have very good intentions and just making people realize that that still exists. That's the important part. Yeah. And so what made you decide to start your own company? Because I'm sure you could just, and you did, and then you could just work for other companies, right? And work for other people and right. maybe advise on the side, but not do your own thing it was a few things there isn't really a huge fashion industry in calgary i'm originally from montreal so montreal and toronto vancouver okay. those are like the hubs right and that's where i spent most of my career was in montreal working for major companies so coming out to calgary there was not very much going on it is more of a local market that seems to be predominant and growing And I was teaching at a local college as a contract teacher for about seven years. And people started reaching out to me, asking me for help and advice on starting their businesses. And it just happened. I didn't set out to start this business. It just happened. And Mm -hmm. I just started doing it. And here I am. (laughs) So that it's really been that kind of a journey for me in this business period, like from start to finish, just following, yeah. following the path that's in front of me. And did you at some point, cause you, you know, you made the decision to switch gears and to go into, into this, but then is there something that is more fulfilling now that you're doing your own business and working with other people versus when you were working for a company or doing previous work? Yes, absolutely. So one of those things is that I get to choose who I work with. I get Mm. to help build the people who really want to align with the value system 
and the direction that we really should be taking in this business. I get to help people build their dreams. I mean, I've had clients that have mm-hmm. cried because they were just so happy to have a result that they've wanted. And there's nothing more exciting than that for me, right? To see people see, see people have something that they're thinking of and, and have it in their hands and know that they're giving something of purpose to other people right? It's like a passing on of purpose. Mm -hmm. So that I think is something that is amazing for me at this point. Whereas if I were working for a company, unless they were in alignment with that philosophy, I would just be dealing with clothes and issues, (laughs) you know, which I do anyway. But at the same time, I get to inspire people, I get to see them grow and their successes make me happy. Right. So it's it's a great way to come to the I mean, I still have a long way to go, but still at the tail end of yeah of where I'm heading. That's awesome. And as far as your business, you guys, it's on your website, but you're certified as a women business enterprise in Canada. And so what does that mean, basically? So it's an organization where there's there's many diversity programs and there's many companies that are looking to work with diverse groups and help grow women businesses. And so what being certified just certifies the fact that you are an actual woman in business, that your business is owned by at least 51% of, of a women, of women, women based business. Ours, mine is a hundred percent. It's just me as owner. And mm-hmm. what it does, it really does connect you with resources on how to find these diversity programs. It also gives you an opportunity to meet other women in business, right? So the power of networking is something that's really important with building any business or anything right, that you want to bring to the forefront, finding people that you can work with, finding people that align with what, you know, what your goals are, what their goals are, and how you can help one another. And yeah, and it's been it's been a great experience. I've been a part of them for a year, and still have a lot to learn with what their offerings are and how I can, you know, collaborate more with them. And being a woman in business and meeting other female entrepreneurs, I mean, one thing that you're away from at that point is, and and I work in IT and so it's very male dominated. And I know that your industry, the fashion industry has been too, but you get away from some of the sexism or just other things that are kind of negative basically too. And have you found that to be the case for you and a shift there as well? There's been challenges in that respect. And the challenge I would say is that one area that's still an issue is is equal pay people are underpaid in this industry by a long shot in comparison to others and there's so many factors that that surround this and one thing i've learned by running my own business and you know being paying my staff fairly is that it's hard it's hard when I see my clients having to struggle with their price points. Price points are really a big a big deal. Where the shift has occurred in a positive sense is that again, I'm in control over my destiny, right? I'm in control over mm-hmm. who I work with, who I serve. And one thing that I have done and I think I'm quite known for is 
not blowing smoke in people's faces. Hmm. I'd rather discourage someone from taking this step than encourage them into something they're not ready for, right? And there's a lot hmm. of people yeah. in that pathway that will take advantage of that. Oh, yes, mm -hmm. we'll take you here. We'll do this. We'll do that. And so the shift, the shift in that respect has given me the control to really help people on a, on a deeper level in that respect. And also not being subject to sexism. It's not so much sexism in a direct sense. That's the issue in this industry. It's just that it's a female prominent, like the workers are female prominent. So it's very common mm -hmm. to see they're not equally paid as the men. It's 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 still a little behind behind it's it's a lot behind the the fence mm -hmm. compared to other industries, right? So yeah, yeah, it's it's it, we've seen it in nursing, we've seen it in teaching, right? That whole yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it it is, and then I mean, you also have in the case of any manufacturing you have people who are blue collar like workers in a factory and stuff and there's and people make the joke and they joke about it all the time which i i don't know i mean i think it's yeah it's funny in a way i guess but really it's a human rights issue also mm -hmm. like they'll joke oh i got this shirt oh thanks to the little kids who made it for me and i you know like primark for example over here and they joke about it but I think that it's also, you know, a big thing. I mean, where are people making clothes and to hit a price point, right? I mean, that's usually what they're trying to do. Like these big box places, like, well, we want to reach our price points. So we need cheap labor, but how do you work with labor in that sense? And, and what's your stance on, on that? So I work mainly with smaller companies, smaller factories. I've chosen to stop working with overseas and not because all of it is that way. There are some fantastic factories right. that are ethical. It's just that it's a really big bite to chew. And a lot of my clients are not ready for the high units and, and that risk, right? But from my experience, because I worked in, those, in that industry for years, is that there's a couple of perspectives people need to take. When we're living in our comfortable little Western world, we can be a little high and mighty on, mm -hmm. oh, well, I don't want kids you know, making my clothes and this and that. And we have every right to demand that. But then in some countries, unfortunately, that is probably the best pathway for them because they could be doing so many other mm -hmm. things that are worse, right? And 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 yeah. it's about changing that. It's about if a working age is lower than what we, are, we deem as acceptable. Are these children given like proper food, proper nourishment? Are they doing jobs that are perhaps like, you know, not going to be detrimental to their health and to their well-being? Are they being treated fairly? Mm -hmm. And that's very hard for us to know. <laughs> you know, like a lot of these companies can, they can fake papers. Like we see it all the time, these big box people getting stuck, uh, caught with like these, um, yeah. you know, oh, they found out this factory had this going on and that going on. And were, were they cognizant of it? Maybe, right? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe they took for granted that whatever information they were provided or what they were shown was something legit. It happens in Canada and it happens in the United States too, 
what they call labor theft. Mm -hmm. where, you know, I mean, yeah. and I was subject to that too throughout my career where, you know, you're paid salary, you're paid really low, you're paid for a 40 hour week, but you're working 80. So you're working double the time, yeah. not getting paid anything for that extra time. Right. And like, yeah, it, it's, it's just a fine line to, to, and it's a difficult conversation. And I think that, mm -hmm. I think more people need to understand cultures. They need to understand political situations in countries. They need to understand those things and how they need to help in other ways, not just by stopping yeah. buying goods from them, but also, you know, put, help fund and, and help grow these, org these people go there, help mm -hmm. women entrepreneurs build businesses in these countries, you know, fair trade, like those types of things. Those are more impactful ways that we can help, help. And yeah, the jokes are pretty yeah. fierce. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sad yeah. that, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind for many people. It's not necessarily who, but how they're treated, right? Okay. Too, and that's a good point that you make. Like you don't want three-year-olds <laughs> on time machines, but you know, fourteen or fifteen-year-old people that you know can yeah. be trained and learn a skill, like in a culture where they're they in a country where they'll never have an education, they may as well at least be able to mm -hmm. feed their families, right? So, are they being paid fairly? Are they being trained? Are they working fair hours? Those are things I think that we need to address more so than a fourteen-year-old working in a factory because. Mm -hmm what is the alternative for many of them there isn't and i don't think we're going to see a difference for a long time right things have gotten better in right. situations but this is a long-term thing shift that we need to be co conscious of and participating in when we make our decisions mm -hmm. yeah i agree and it's it is interesting too because you point out the u.s and canada and i know in the u.s for example at least before, and I, I don't, and I do think even the generation thing you talked about before, the generation X was used to working crazy hours, mm -hmm. like, and it kind of got ingrained in us. I mean, it's one reason I have the podcast, and you would get a salary job, so you'd be proud because you got a salary position, but then you'd end up working 60 or 80 hours, and then the company could just say, well, you're on salary, so that's what you agreed to, but it really wasn't. You really agreed to a work week, and- I worked for a company where also I was in warehousing a lot. And so very similar to manufacturing, you saw different abuses of people and really couldn't do much about it other than try to report it. But if you did, you'd probably be in trouble with HR because they didn't really want you to report things, you know? And so, and that was the whole power dynamic of how certain people, the women mostly on the line were treated versus the men. And so I think it is interesting now that, those things can get hidden, but they can also get exposed. And I guess it's just a balance of when it happens, but it, it's just, it really, when you were talking through all that, it, it really, a few things resonated with me just thinking about past experiences or also how, how, yeah, we look at other cultures because it is important. And you're right. If a 14 year old or 15 year old is going to work in a factory, that's better than a lot of things that could happen to them at that point, you know, for sure. So one thing, that we chatted a little bit about before and that you shared is that you have synesthesia and that that's made the way you look at the world and, and function the world a little bit different for you. So can you talk a little bit about that and what that means in your context? 
so it was interesting because I, you know, we all have a way of, of thinking and processing information. Like my brain is always in three dimension and I thought everybody's brain was that way. So whenever I think I'm literally floating in space and I see things floating around me and rotating and that type of thing. I never see words. You know, I, I, I smell things. I hear things as my brain is kind of functioning. And it, it started like with conversations with people and just asking people certain things. Because growing up, the way I processed information and the way I learned, I, I you know, I, I realized I, would, I learned differently. And I think a lot of a lot of the being more aware of how my brain works was having to raise my son who was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome at four and really learn having to understand and learn how his brain works and how he processes mm -hmm. information and how he relates to the world. And it, it really forced me to kind of draw myself. You know, I, I don't have the form of synesthesia where I see five as a blue and four as a green, right? That's the very traditional one. Mm -hmm. But I see things like days of the week and months like a Monopoly board in space, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, as I, and I'm literally walking on this Monopoly board. Oh, yeah, Monday was like, yeah, three spaces back, you know? And like that's, that's how I see yeah. my world. And so it's it, it has helped me in my work and in my in, in, in a real impactful way. And sometimes when I have new clients that come and they're explaining things to me, I'll have to excuse myself and say, look, I, I will close. Like if I'm not looking at you in the face and I have to close my eyes or look away, I, I don't want you to mm -hmm. think being rude. But I would close my eyes and then I can see right then and there how these items are pieced together and they literally float in the air and they come together like a three-dimensional, uh, <laughs> like watching it on, on, mm -hmm. on a screen, like a three-dimensional screen. And that's, that's always been the way I've seen everything. So it's, it's yeah. been an interesting discovery. Yeah, for sure. That's really cool and interesting and interesting. You lived with that, not knowing that it wasn't what everyone else was seeing. That had to be pretty enlightening to you to just say, oh, so I do think differently. Yeah, it, it was pretty enlightening. And and then it make, brings forth the questions, right? Like, I know I don't have autism. I'm pretty sure I don't. But it, it also leads to the question of, of, of these types of things, right? You start to, under, you know, see how there were certain things growing. Like, it, it takes you back to your life and how you know, there were certain ways you processed information and felt different from your friends because you talk about yeah. something and people go, like, well, I don't, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Right. And that's how I, I, yeah. it, 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 it just kind of clarifies things from your, from your life. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's neat. Well, it's kind of, now you can, now that you know, you can use it in a different way, which is cool. Yeah, it, you can tap into it more and understand, you know, and I do, mm -hmm. right? Like a visualization yeah. was always easy for me, you know, like I could see things that in anything, right? I'd look at something and I can see it in a mm -hmm. different color. I could see it, you know, and people would say, oh, you have a very visual, you know, you're in a visual field. You must be a visual person. I'm not a visual person. 
I'm actually an auditive person. And one of the, the, the things I realized about myself is that I'm a really big storyteller. And I like details mm. and I go into details about things. And I know that's because that's how I like to be spoken to. And the reason why I like yeah. those details is that's how I understand the information that's coming to me. No, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that's really cool. So thanks for sharing about that just because yeah. I think, I don't know, I just think it's good for people to know more about, I mean, that's the whole neurodiversity thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where people's brains do process differently. And a lot of times we might be seen or we might talk to ourselves in a way like, oh, well, I'm just weird or they're just yeah. strange or whatever. But it's really just not that. It's a matter of, you know, you just learning about how you process and and then being able to tell people, well, this is actually better for me if you do it this way, you know, exactly. rather than just kind of suffering through things. Awesome. So do you have any advice or mantra that you just like to share generally or that you turn to? You know what? It, it's like, I think I've come to the point where you have to just live and enjoy your life and not take things so seriously. The whole work-life balance thing for me has always been a struggle there's a lot of people like me who know they're there, right? But I mean, also for the younger younger generations, I have a son who's in university right now and a star, star student, and, you know, he's studying science. And, and one of the things that a lot of young people panic about is getting through school quickly, you know, having to yeah. make decisions about their future and their life. And I think you have to have a plan. There's all you always have to have a plan because then you end up nowhere, right? But if you're off, yeah, you fall off the route to get getting to where you have to go, and something feels better. Just go that way, right? Like that. That is to listen to your instincts and to not be so swayed with what other people's expectations of you are. More of enjoying the journey as much as the result or the potential outcome right because you don't know where you're going to end up Mm -hmm. so you got to enjoy the journey and if you're not enjoying the journey you're not going to like where you are at the end that's the way i see it right so yeah enjoy the journey yeah much as the destination (laughs) yeah i don't always comment on the advice someone says but i will in this case because one thing that i learned recently along those lines is like if there's something you want to do and you don't do it today, you'll still want to do it in a year. Yeah. And if it's something that takes a while, then you'll be that amount of time plus a year away from it. And, exactly. and when I heard it put that way, it really, yeah, changed things. So like it's going to pass. Look how COVID two years of just like, you know, like, and, and, and where, you know, it's like yeah. lost, most people have lost two years, just like panicking. Right. But rightfully so to a certain mm-hmm. extent. But, you know, it, it happens and it comes and it goes and then you're 50. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just like that, you're 50, right? Just yes. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> the next set of questions I have is called the fun five. And they're just yeah. a set of five questions that I find fun. And hopefully you will, too. So. This might be interesting because I don't know, you might not even wear t-shirts, but what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? Well, I prepared for these questions. <laughs> Actually, one of my <laughs> oldest t-shirts I just got rid of. And it was a hot pink ribbon knit tank top 
that my grandmother bought me in the 80s. And I kept it. Wow. I, I would, I'd sleep in it. It just, it just reminded me of her. And well, now it just had holes in it and didn't fit anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> this crutch. This is just, you know, and I got rid of it. But that was the oldest T-shirt or top or piece of clothing that I own. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice, though, that your grandma gave it to you. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I loved my grandma, so I get, like, treasuring something from them. All right. So it seemed a lot like Groundhog's Day. You guys had lockdown longer than we did in England, certainly, because England just really didn't seem to even know anything was going on. But anyway, so you had a little bit longer Groundhog's Day than we did. But if every day was really Groundhog's Day and you had the same song playing on your alarm clock every day, what what would it be? You know, it, it bounces back and forth. I would say I got the power from the 90s. Yeah. Uh, that song, <laughs> yeah, just gets me going every single day. Yeah, I would say Yeah, that. and I can hear it in my head now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, cool. All right, good. I don't have that one yet either because some of them are starting to repeat themselves on my Spotify playlist. <laughs> <laughs> so this is that's helpful. So coffee or tea or neither? Ask anyone who, like, I only post about coffee on my Facebook. I need coffee not just once a day, like sometimes even 10 times a day. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's just part of who I am. Yeah. Coffee and dogs. <laughs> those, are, those are the things. So... That's awesome. So, and really caffeinated dogs, perhaps, which would be oh, scary, but you know, that's yeah. how it is. So, all right. So can you think of a time that you laughed so hard you cried or just something that cracks you up when you think of it? Yeah. So I, I have a couple of college, college girlfriends and we were on the three-way call last week and it's, you know, I just realized how much I miss them. And so we were, we were talking about being kids and being kids in the playground in the 80s with yeah. all the middle, with like burning our backsides down that slide like how like we didn't kill ourselves you know and like comparing comparing ourselves to like today's generation where everything's in a bubble right and like we were talking yeah. one of them she's pretty funny she well she's very funny she was telling us about the story about this one kid that always wanted to hang out with all of the cool kids, right? They used to build these ramps on, you know, we on the street and like with their motocross bikes, like jump. So they built one that was like five feet tall. And oh my God. <laughs> the only one that goes, I'll do it. So she's like, she goes, the terror of just seeing him fly off and land like on the ground. And then that was it. And she's like, I don't know, months later, she's you know walking and she's like i wonder what's been going on with him and she looks in the back his backyard and he's sitting there in a cat body casts and in a wheelchair and she's like oh what oh, yeah. happens right and and he's like well remember that time with the ramp and and not that that was funny that wasn't what we were laughing about we were just laughing yeah, about yeah. how <laughs> nobody knew that he was so severely hurt. No, his mother didn't come screaming at, you know, or arresting. All. Like that was just the life we lived. And it was just yeah. part of being a kid, you know? And she, just the way she told the story, just, you know, we were laughing. We're like, yeah, it was not so much because it was funny. It was just because it was mm -hmm. like that nostalgic feeling of like, whoa, like that was, those were weird times <laughs> that we'll never see. Yeah. 
you know, and learning lessons and lessons in life that have made a huge impact on who we are as people, how we choose to raise our kids. Yeah. It is funny just because I remember distinctly one time just shredding my leg, basically doing this stupid thing. I was following the older, the boys. Yeah. And I was on my bike and I, I, I was going down this big hill, which I wasn't allowed to go down. And then I, I was trying to skid out like, you know, my basically like flip the backside out of the bike. And I ended up just going down onto my knee and just sliding down the hill on my knee, oh. you know, on my leg. And then the guys, <laughs> it was awful. And the guys had to pick me up. Cause I was just trying to make the longest skid I could up, up with my tire. And I didn't, I ended up doing that. And so then the guys, like, I think the one had to basically carry me home and the, the other one had to bring my bike. And my mom, I mean, of course she didn't get mad at them, but yeah. you know, it's just like, well, this is what my kid did. And I think there was a lot of that, especially on our bikes. There was always something you were up to on your bike, right? That was always. the thing. Cause, and we didn't have our phones. So like, there's no TikTok dancing. There was no being on the phone, talking to people. We actually, you went outside and then eventually someone else would come out of their house and someone else would come out of their house. And that's how you did it. You didn't, you know, so I, I do think that kids are missing out on a lot now. Because and you were in Canada and I was in California, but it's the same thing. Same thing. But now it's like they're missing out on a lot, you know, with the phones, basically. And not not just like not just with fun, but also like when you're spending all this time doing silly things on TikTok, what else are you learning? You know, like you like it, it, it is an escape, but at the same time, like what are you learning from that experience? There's only so many hours mm-hmm. in a day and and it's kind of sad just because a lot of parents are very tired and the solution is, you know, their kids are two or three years old. Here's an iPad, like, watch this, right? Yeah. So then you you hear of, of kids not having the, the skills, like the tactile skills or the ability to calculate how far away from mm-hmm. that floor they are. <laughs> Or how that is <laughs> experience jumping off of that because, you know, those are things we knew. We're like, okay, I'm not jumping off of that because I've fallen on rocks and <laughs> that hurts or I've done <laughs> enough and I know I can do it, you know, and challenging yourself physically in a different way. The kids today, the only ones who really have that experience are the ones that are in sports, right? And like, and, and whose parents really uh-huh. teach them in sports, but it's still a controlled environment. And, you know, I think we do control our children's environments a little too tightly. And I think mm-hmm. play is important. I think hurting yourself is important <laughs> in learning, yeah. you know, learning skills. Mm-hmm. It's okay. But yeah. 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 It's interesting. So the last question is who, who inspires you right now? I would say my parents do. And I mean, my parents Hmm. were people that are at the start of the boomers. They were born in like 45, 46. And they were really like carefree people grown, you know, but it made me realize like now I'm at a point where I realize how adulting is pretty hard. It's not an easy path. And, you know, yeah. having respect for them on, on the types of challenges that they had when they did and challenges that they had raising my sister and myself and how they are as people today. I mean, like my dad's had health issues for years and they're both very youthful in their perspective, very carefree people. You wouldn't, if 
you spoke to them, you'd be like, no way, they're in their 70s. Like you would think they were at least 30 years younger than they are. And it, and the inspiration is just that, you know what? Age is, is a number. And it really, especially mm-hmm. now with turning half a century <laughs> tomorrow, yeah. you realize that yeah. there's still so much to life to enjoy. And they have made me mm-hmm. realize that. So, yeah, that's very important. They're very important people to me yeah that's awesome that's really nice about your parents so all right and if people want to find you and look you up where should they go and what do you want them to to do basically okay well people can can find me at my website which is coloralchemist.com the new brand that a ladies brand the gen x brand that will be coming out soon is called mikasula m-y-k-a-s-o-u-l-a Com. And Mika Sula mm-hmm. is basically a play on the words, my soul. So that is a clothing line designed for the progressive generation X women. So a lot of great things nice. soon and wanting to grow a community. So any women in the 40 plus market that want to be part of this community and share and learn just to reach out to us. I can be also be reached at Martina at coloralchemist.com and on um Facebook and on Instagram, we're at Color Alchemist Canada, as well as at Mika Sula. Well, Martina, thanks so much for being on More Than Work. I really appreciate the chat. Yeah, oh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. It was nice to meet you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. You can find him on Spotify at Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at, at More Than Work Pod or at Robbie Comedy on TikTok. And the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.